0: Hey there, it's Gary Parish. Welcome back to the Ion College Basketball Podcast. Special shout to those of you who have subscribed to the podcast via Apple Podcasts. That's the best way uh, to get the latest episodes sent straight to your phone, ASAP. And it's also the best way to keep widening our audience, which has uh, grown tremendously over the past couple of years. So if you've subscribed, thank you. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please go do so when you have a few seconds. And we'd obviously appreciate a uh, nice rating. Five stars, positive comments. Call us smart, funny entertaining, enlightening, any combination of those things will do. Matt Norlander is here with me. I want to start with Thursday night's big game. Duke-Texas Tech at the Garden. Final score, Duke 69, Texas Tech 58. Duke missed 17 of 23-point attempts, turned the ball over 19 times. Zion Williamson fouled out. Blue Devils still win by double digits. So that was something, wasn't it?
1: Yes, and hello from Chicago, GP. I uh, look forward to seeing you soon. I watched the game from Chicago. I have to admit, I'm, I'm sorry to report this, but I actually watched it from Pequod. So I met up with an old buddy, and what? so I know I got I got in my Pequod's pizza. Um, so I watched the game there.
0: You act like I ain't never been to Pequod's two nights in a row. Because okay. I have.
1: I'm not saying that you haven't, but we had uh, we had floating plans to try and make that happen, and maybe we still can. But I was starving, and it was not going to wait. I just had to do it. So um, I just had to break that news to you on the podcast, and it was delicious. And yeah, we can we can make that happen. I'm not opposed to it. Watch um, back-to-back
0: Mets wins over the Cubs at Wrigley to sweep the NLCS a few years ago. I mean, well, you know, went to Pequod after both games.
1: Why are you trying to kill my buzz right now, man? Why you got to bring up that? I'm trying to explain to you what
0: I'm trying to explain to you is that just because you went to Pequod's once this week, don't mean you can't go again on Saturday night after the CBS Sports class.
1: It's it's definitely it's de- it's definitely going to be on the table, and I'm going to be up for it. But anyway, I bring that up one to to mention that I uh, that I snuck that in. But two, so I watched the whole game with no sound, and I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but when you if you ever watch a a game with no sound. I feel like it alters the way that you actually intake what's on the screen there. If you're watching with the announcing team, you can hear the environment in the arena for the most part. It can have a really good impact and good effect, but uh, when I was watching it, just purely by, for most of the game, it looked like Texas Tech was outplaying Duke, let alone the score when they had the lead as well. I thought um, the way that they were executing on defense, some of the shots that they were taking, and their overall body language, their composure. I was really impressed by Tech, and for Duke to win, and that is a brutal beat if you had Tech, by the way, that was the right side to have. I know people will say the right side to have is the side that covers. Tech should have covered that game. That was the, You lose Zion Williamson late in the second half to a fifth foul, and you still can't cover the plus nine, plus ten, that's rough. But a great win for Duke. Good for te- good for tech. Just the way that it was able to hang with them for most of the game, and then you know what? It kind of they kind of lost the grip on the rope there, Parrish, in the final three minutes. But overall. Um I think almost as much of Tech in this loss as, as, as I would have if they had won. And I think, although a lot of teams, most teams, won't be able to do what Tech can do defensively, physically, uh, from a defensive standpoint, I do think that there was a little – like, the tape will be heavily studied by every Duke opponent going forward. Obviously, you hold them to that few points. Um Trey Jones was fantastic, but Reddish was nothing until he hit that big three. So um, I don't know where you have Tech ranked right now. And If you want to uh, enlighten listeners, please do. I don't know how far you dropped them or if you did at all. But um, big-time resume win for Duke. But uh, to me, last night, it was more about what Tech could do and how basically it made Duke play to its style.
0: I've got Texas Tech 10th. I had him 10th on Thursday morning, and I'll have him 10th on Friday morning. I don't drop teams for losing Uh, competitive games uh, to teams that they're supposed to lose to. And, yes, this was a competitive game. Uh, To your point about a brutal uh, bad beat uh, for people who were on the Texas Tech side, uh, it was like Texas Tech plus 9.5, Texas Tech plus 10 if you had it. And the game's tied 53-53 with 6.30 left. Uh, And it's a three-point game with like three minutes left. And then you end up uh, not uh, being able to cover that. So uh, the final score, if you don't do anything except glance at scores the following day, you go, okay, Duke went out and handled Texas Tech, but Duke did not go out and handle Texas Tech. That was a a a competitive game, basically start to finish, and a game that it looked like Texas Tech was going to win probably more minutes than it looked like Texas Tech was 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 going to to lose. You mentioned Trey Jones, and he does not get the attention of the other three freshmen any and you know for obvious reasons the other three freshmen might go one two three in an nba draft and i do think trey's going to be a first round pick but he's not probably not going to be a, a lottery pick certainly not going to be a top five pick um i'm not going to get hyperbolic here and talk about how he's just as important as anybody else Um, because I'm not sure that's true. Like, R.J. Barrett looks pretty damn important to me when he's scoring 30 points, and and Zion's, you know, when he's got the highest PER in, like, the history of whatever, um, looks pretty important to me. But he is very important, uh, uh, Trey Jones is, to what they do. He's not as heralded, but he runs that team. He's tremendous defensively. Kay talked about this late Thursday um, about how, trade defensively in terms of just knowing where to be and running things on that end of the court is as good as any freshman he's he's ever had if not any point guard that he's ever had um I don't think it's an accident that uh Trey Jones is a is a member of this team and and Duke's uh defensive efficiency rating is is third in the country remember this is a team that was so bad defensively super talented but so bad defensively last season they had to they had to play zone uh, they were very good last season in spite of what they were on defense. Uh, right now, they're number two in offensive efficiency, number three in defensive efficiency. Uh, they really are terrific. Sitting here now at 11-1, and 1, heading into the ACC portion of their schedule. They still do have uh, one more non-league game that's going to be against St. John's um, in February. Early February, that's the St. John's team that is still undefeated at this point, 11 and 11-0 under Chris Mullen, uh, but 11-1 uh, and 1 heading into the ACC portion of your schedule. I don't know if you're a Mike you quote, would have taken that, but certainly not a bad place to be.
1: And it's... They're they're doing well overall, Duke. I mean, I'm stating the obvious there, but I'm talking about when they've when they've faced a Texas Tech and even in a, in a loss against Gonzaga. If you eliminate what R.J. Barrett was doing near the end of the game, Duke very well wins that game. Um, this has been beyond expectation. It's 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 almost a trite thing to say, G.P., but it is important to remember that the, the star foursome here, the quartet, they're. They've never played this level of basketball before. There is no guarantee that they're going to be awesome. Yes, they're highly rated, but you just don't know as a collective how they'll perform. I even point to last season. You can point to, we're going to get to Kentucky here shortly. You can have freshmen that are highly rated. uh, Even ones that are highly rated like Zion and RJ were. If you look at the case of Scal at Kentucky, there's there's never the guarantee that it's going to happen. The way that it's happening for Duke. So it is pretty notable to... uh, to see how they've been this consistent overall and how they could win that kind of game it looked like a it looked like a great environment there you obviously had Trey Young, Jimmy Butler, I'm sure a few other celebrities were on hand to watch them real quick on Trey Jones his numbers he is the textbook case of when you watch Duke play like, I, I do think that he has nights and will have more nights where he is the most important, valuable person on the floor just because of what he does. But he's averaging 8.7 points, 5.6 dimes, 3.3 boards. Um, he's, uh, he's shooting it 45% from the field, which is, you know, it's okay. He's only 31.8 from three. It's not terrible. It's not great overall. Um, but he's, he had, what, like six deals last night, something like that? He, um, he makes a lot of really good plays and moments when they need them. And between him and then Jack White, who is now—I've seen Jack White in at least three or four games make big three-pointers, come up with some big rebounds. He is, uh, he is absolutely proving to be that kind, of, that kind of spark plug. And the buddy that I was with last night, though, he goes—he's like, can Duke just go one year? Can they go one year without having a white guy on their team act like that? And it was—it just—it it keyed me into— I guess the average college basketball fan, where like just because Jack White was emotional, aggressive, um, you know, demonstrative, uh, it, and and wearing a Duke uniform, and he's white, he's automatically hateable. He didn't even know the guy's name. He was like, "Who is that guy? And why do I hate him already?" Look at the way he's reacting after that rebound. I thought that was um, a pretty interesting note. And I and I'm uh, for better or for worse, I think a lot of people think that way. I think this is just what Duke has. Uh, has created intentionally or unintentionally over the years, Parrish.
0: So one night before Texas Tech nearly upset number two Duke, NC State actually did upset number eight Auburn. Final score was 78-71. And after that impressive victory, I jumped the Wolfpack to 15th in the top 25 and one. Kevin Keats, he's at it again. He's a lot like Chris Beard in the sense that his career breaks down basically like this. Everything he leaves gets worse and everything he takes over gets better that's his head coaching career to date he takes the Wilmington job makes it better when he leaves it gets worse and he's obviously been great at NC State obviously made NC State better I couldn't have a higher opinion of what he's been able to do in Raleigh so far he inherited a, a program that finished 109th at Ken Palm the season before he got there still made the NCAA tournament in year one in fact NC State last season was the only school to start the season outside of Ken Palm's top 100 and earn an at-large bid to the NCAA tournament. Now, year two, he's off to a 10-1 start with a win over Auburn, and he's got a commitment from a top-30 prospect in the class of 2019. So it's undeniable the administration got this higher right. and I'm really happy for NC State fans because they're uh, among the most passionate and devoted uh, fan bases in college basketball, and they've they've wanted so badly, a coach – for a while who's just universally respected and and now they have one nc state fans are thrilled and they should be thrilled but all that said some of you nc state diehards are still crazy af not all not gonna paint with a broad brush here but definitely some of you and i bring this up only because lots of you have tweeted me a link to a column that i wrote after mark Godfrey was fired and for some reason Uh, You think that Kevin's success to date at NC State is somehow proof that the column was wrong or misguided or something, which uh, leads me to the following question. Did you read what I actually wrote? If not, let's talk about it real quickly. One thing I wrote in that column is that after talking to somebody who would be, in theory, a candidate for that job who said, listen, I wouldn't touch that job. um, One thing I wrote is that you're not going to to be able to hire a top-tier candidate. Like, no truly special, established coaching talent is going to take that job. And guess what? Guess who took your job? Wilmington's coach took your job. If you're at Wilmington, you're not established. Ain't nobody established or trying to be established at Wilmington. Wilmington's coach is always going to take any ACC job. Like, the best one, the worst one, if you offer it to Wilmington's coach, you're going to get... Wilmington's coach. I don't know why people don't understand that. That Wilmington's coach has turned out to be awesome doesn't mean he wasn't Wilmington's coach when you hired him. I wrote you'd have a hard time hiring a top-shelf candidate, not coach, not top-shelf coach, but top-shelf candidate, and NC State hiring Wilmington's coach doesn't make that untrue, regardless of how well Wilmington's coach is doing at NC State. Beyond that, here's what else I wrote. I wrote that uh, only somebody who can do more with less consistently, you know, like Tony Bennett does at Virginia – Only somebody like that will ever provide the consistent winner that NC State fans seem to require. Well, guess what? Kevin Keats appears to be exactly that. Congratulations. Everything he touches is better than it should be. He's amazing. But the fact that Wim. Wilmington's former coach is amazing, doesn't make what I wrote back then untrue. It just reaffirms it, if nothing else. I said no established coach would take your job, and I wrote that the only coach you'd be happy with is a coach like Tony Bennett, and what I meant by that is a coach who creates a strong culture and does more with less. Guess what? No established coach did take your job. The Wilmington coach took your job, and the great thing about that is that the Wilmington coach has turned out to be exactly what I suggested you needed, somebody who can create a strong culture and do more with less. He's doing it. Two years in a row doesn't make the column wrong. It just makes you fortunate, and I'm happy for you. I'm really happy for you, but calm down, because I, I don't want to have to stop being happy for you. Norland, talk about Kevin Keys. I'm gonna pour a drink real quick. Okay, you pour a drink.
1: It's it certainly sounds like uh, the NC State Army has has infiltrated your land as they are prone to do with uh, with many a writer. Um, and just be happy.
0: <laughs> what you Wait, and, and at least if you're gonna like bring oh, column, I'm sure I've gotten columns wrong somewhere, but, like, that one ain't it. I mean, it's not like it's a great column. I'm not sitting here bragging about the column. It's, like, something I probably did in 35 minutes on a Tuesday afternoon. But, like, what I actually said about the NC State job in that column, like, holds up today. It's awesome that you – just, just like, like, what if I would have written once upon a time – you know, whenever Butler was getting ready to make a hire and they ultimately hire Brad Stevens. And I wrote, you know, Butler's just not going to be able to go out and get an established coach, you know, a top-tier candidate. And then they promote Brad Stevens, who was anonymous, and then he turns into be turns out to be Brad Stevens. And then Butler fans are like, oh, you said we wouldn't be able to hire a top-shelf candidate? Look, we got Brad Stevens. Well, Brad Stevens, what, Brad Stevens wasn't a top-tier candidate. The only head coaching job Brad Stevens could have gotten when he got the Butler job was the Butler job. If Hiring Wilmington's coach who turns out to be awesome doesn't mean that the column I wrote wasn't
1: true. Go ahead, Norland. I've got to pour this drink. <laughs> yeah, You go ahead and you get to that drink now. <laughs> um, Keats has been great. I think he's an awesome fit there. Uh, NC State is obviously on pace to make a second straight NCAA tournament under Keats. Uh, getting uh, rid of Godfrey was the move that the program had to make. We know that even more so now. If you get into the FBI stuff, which I won't, uh, I won't veer off into that lane whatsoever. But at ten and one, the only loss by four at Wisconsin, quality stuff so far. Even though the non-con for Keats has been brutal. The, 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 just scheduled badly overall. Uh, It ranks 342nd out of 353 teams in non-conference strength of schedule, according to Ken Palm, the opponents that they've faced so far. And the final two games are at home for NC State against USC Upstate, which is brutal and has a 4-8 record with most wins not against Division I opponents. And then uh, Loyola Maryland, which has a first-year coach, is 4-7, and hasn't defeated a team better than 235th in the nation, according to Ken Palm's ranking. So the non-con is not going to get any better, and eventually – like, I, I don't think you can overstate how important Auburn win was because NC State will probably fare well in the ACC, but it's going to have to, I would think, finish above 500 only because when we get to the end of the season, and this is a separate matter from what Keats has done overall, he has done a good job, but we should acknowledge that a lot of the competition that NC State has faced so far this season uh, is just well below NC State's uh, threshold level regardless. Um it, they're going to need to get some good wins in the league in order to keep that resume uh, above the bar overall. So, um, great job for him. I have, I have no uh, I have no qualms with the uh, with the Keats area whatsoever. I even give him a little bit of slack. I, I kind of h- like to hold coaches accountable for how they schedule in the non-league, but I, I give them slack in the first two years on a job in a major program, particularly when you inherit the situation that he did. You just never know – uh, what landmines you're gonna step on so uh, a year from now I would hope that NC State is more ambitious in the way it schedules in November and December but right now they're, they're looking fine. this is a good team very fun on offense and uh, I, I, I like so much of what they have here including Markel Johnson who has been uh, who's been awesome really really been one of the better offensive players in the nation.
0: This is where you and I will split a little bit on this because you know I, I, you can schedule aggressively if you want. that's obviously from an entertainment perspective. Uh, preferable. Um, but when you're the head coach at NC State in the ACC, um, the league schedule is going to give you all the quadrant one, quadrant two opportunities that you need to build an at-large resume. So I don't know that you need to go out and kill yourself in the in in the non-league. They they go to Wisconsin as part of the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Remember, they play Vanderbilt on a neutral, and Vanderbilt, you know, that, that doesn't look great now, but it was supposed to be a Vanderbilt team with Darius Garland it's just Darius Garland got hurt Penn State on a neutral is you know Penn State's a top 50 team then you get Auburn at home Um, I think that's enough I don't really have a problem with the non-league schedule uh, because again once you get into the ACC you are either going to prove yourself to be an at-large candidate or not as an ACC member uh, throughout the ACC schedule really whatever you do I don't want to say whatever you do in the non-league doesn't matter, but it, it's certainly secondary. And so I, I think that's a perfectly, uh, perfectly reasonable uh, non-league schedule. Anyway, shouts to Kevin Keith, He's killing it in Raleigh. I'm happy for you guys. Just
1: yeah, I, yeah. Real quick, I'm presuming like Penn State's not a top fifty team. I'm presuming they're top fifty at Ken Palm right now, but they, they're they're not a good team. They won't even that that. Penn State neutral will be a quad two at best, so that's just a that's a small quibble I have. But I understand what the greater point you were making there. But uh, but the Nittany Lions like should have lost to Duquesne before Keith Dambrot absolutely lost Ooh. his mind. If you want to talk about another bad beat, that was horrendous, the worst one I've seen. I, I can't even remember the last time. It might have been the uh, Nevada New Mexico game from like two years ago when the Wolfpack lost lost their mind and went nuts from three. But uh, that. Uh, Anyway, I don't want to get off on a tangent, but that was absurd. And Dan Brott was in his right to go crazy because there's no business giving him a technical in that spot.
0: Well, there's also – like that is one you mentioned earlier. You watched the uh, Duke-Texas Tech game with the sound off. I usually have like at least a three-television setup going on on basketball nights. And that was on one of the TVs that had the volume down. So I didn't see what was happening. I just saw Keith going crazy. And – I, I mean, I, I f- fundamentally I agree with you. Like if you're a ref, you just take it and you let him do what he's got to do. and You don't give him the tech, but he wasn't letting up and it was a, it was the right call. It wasn't even like some, like Zion's fifth foul last night was like, what? But this was clearly a block. Um, You know, it was the right call. I, I know that some people like for refs to swallow their whistles in the final seconds, but I don't, you know, you're, you know, you got if if a guy fouls another guy, you got to make the fault. You got to make the call. I think, and so he wasn't letting up. Uh, he flipped completely out. Ends up getting thrown out of the game. So that was a an interesting, little bit off the radar moment, but still an interesting moment from this uh, uh from this week. The CBS Sports Classic is this weekend. Uh, we'll talk about it momentarily. But first, here's this. So the CBS Sports Classic is on Saturday. Inside United Center, Chicago, Illinois, UCLA, Ohio State, uh, 3 p.m. Eastern. That's going to be followed by Kentucky, North Carolina, 5:15 Eastern. Norlander's already in Chicago. I will be flying to Chicago tomorrow morning. Let's start with the first game, UCLA, Ohio State. The Bruins coming off a 29-point loss at Cincinnati, and now they have to play a team that won at Cincinnati. So on paper, that doesn't seem great, does it?
1: Does not seem great at all. I'll get to my prediction in a second here. But on on UCLA, the fact that it lost the way that it did, I mean, we, we addressed them on the previous podcast. I thought it would be a more competitive game. It wasn't. Um, although Steve Alford does not lose. He's lost. He's had a three-game losing streak in the non-conference only once in the past 12 years. If, this, if there's going to be a team to do it, I guess, a second time, it's going to be this one. Um, out of sorts on offense. It's It's got talent, by the way. This team has it has dudes. Defensively, not there. Cincinnati, which is better offensively than I think people realize. And in the past two, three years, Cronin has actually built a decent roster. It's still not an elite offensive team, but it puts up 93. I mean, the only other game that it had uh, even close to, to 93 was when it scored 105 on Arkansas Pine Bluff. That's one of the worst teams in the country. Otherwise, Cincinnati really lives – in the uh in the mid to low seventies, if not the high sixties, for the most part, there not against UCLA. They looked really uh really really good, and so now you get the Bruins taking on an Ohio State team that has a good ten and one record, but it's still young. Um, I don't know. I'm gonna get nuts here, Parrish. Like I, I, I'm gonna take UCLA to win because it makes no sense to do so at this point, and sometimes. Right around Christmas on this holiday break, we can get some wonky results here. I don't have exceeding confidence in this. I'm by no means going to break out the straight-up chant, um, but I I will take UCLA to salvage part of its season. Um, Maybe this blows up in my face. UCLA loses by 19, and it is full five-alarm fire for that program come uh, come Saturday night, but I'll I'll go with the Bruins to win a close and ugly game over the Buckeyes.
0: Listen, already this week uh, we've had – Georgia Tech lose at home to Gardner-Webb and then win at Arkansas in like a three-day span. So, you know, weird stuff happens in this sport. It wouldn't be crazy to think UCLA, which was, by the way, preseason top 25. uh, Ohio State I don't think was. UCLA is the more talented team. So it wouldn't be crazy for UCLA to to win the game. It won't if it happens. It won't even be the craziest thing that happens on Saturday. And I don't have any idea what else is going to happen on Saturday. It just won't be the craziest thing that happens on Saturday. But um, I can't bring myself to pick a team I just watched lose by twenty nine over a team that already beat the team that beat UCLA by twenty nine. I'll take the Buckeyes. And uh, you know, if UCLA makes me look stupid, then uh, it won't be the first team.
1: <laughs> it won't be the last. <laughs>
0: Uh yeah, so uh, I'll take Ohio State over UCLA, but I would suspect it'll be competitive. Um, but uh, but we'll see. The big one, UNC Kentucky, and this is one where I think no matter what happens, Kentucky's the story. If Kentucky wins, then it's like okay, the quad green's gone. They've tightened up the rotation. Cal's starting to make this team better, like he usually does. Uh, Kentucky's going to be fine. But if Kentucky loses and drops to 0 and 3 away from Rupp Arena, 0 and 3 against top 90 kinpom opponents, then it's then you know heading into a game at Louisville, um I'm not going to say it could really spiral, on Cal cuz like n- almost nothing ever does unless Nerland Stowell tears his ACL. But it it'll you know if they lose it'll just be a reminder that this team is not anything close to what I and lots of others thought it was going to be in the preseason.
1: Where did you have Kentucky in the preseason, Parrish?
0: Right at the top, number one.
1: Ha- okay, let's say Kentucky loses. Let's say you know, let's just say it's like ninety to eighty-two, and UNC wins the game. Uh, at that point, Kentucky will have lost against the three best teams it's played. Um, will this be the? Uh, and it's not just you, but will this have been the biggest misfire that you could recall since you got to CBS for a preseason number one team?
0: I think it's it certainly feels that way, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even think it'd be close. Like I have it's it's December twenty first, and I don't have, um, I don't have Kentucky ranked in the top twenty five and one. So yeah,
1: yeah. It's just it's just not a common thing when you get a team that's ranked number one in the preseason. Occasionally they'll be the they'll be let down, but you know I'm I'm talking about this within the context of if they lose again. Uh, and drop on a neutral court. against the Blue Blood, a high-profile opportunity. Obviously, we saw what happened against Duke in the season opener. I don't think it's there's any chance. It's the slimmest of chances that it could possibly be that bad. I don't think it's going to go that way at all. But yeah, a critical game. This is more about Kentucky than it is about UNC. Barring... Nasir Little like going for 34 points and having a breakout game, um, or or Kobe White scoring 40 and hitting the buzzer beater. Like it's you are correct. It it should probably be about Kentucky regardless of outcome. We'll see what happens there. I I think I'm just gonna I'm just gonna be stupid and take both underdogs to win straight up this uh, this weekend at the CBS Sports Classic. Kentucky has enough to beat Carolina. It's got enough on the interior. Keldon Johnson has been right there with Kobe White in terms of uh, the most impressive freshman on each of their respective teams, and he's been really, really solid overall. The three-point shooting is still not where Kentucky needs it to be, but it's actually, um, you know, in the past uh, one or two games, it's gotten a little bit better. Defensively, it's still the the worst Kentucky team from beyond the arc Calipari's ever had, so there is some concern for that, but what the hell, man? You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. I'll take Kentucky to win. And uh, I'll say along the lines of, like, 84-82 in a good one, they don't need it, but they kind of need it. Um, Because if you don't win this, it's not even like just to to pluck NC State, which doesn't need it like the way... Uh, Kentucky needs it, where it has a lot of, you know, NC State's just gonna, it's gonna be game after game after game after game in the ACC of getting uh, really good opportunities. Kentucky will have plenty, but not nearly as many in the SEC, and it doesn't have as much non-con heft and victories. Um, and after this, it gets to UNC, and then the next game is at Louisville. You would think it needs to split those, and I think uh, UNC is better than Louisville, but I feel like Kentucky has a better shot at picking off the Tar Heels than it does at going in and beating the Cardinals on December 29th. So I will take the Wildcats. I know there's, I know you're not going to take them, right? You're going you're gonna to ride with the heels here. You're going to take both favorites here on Saturday.
0: Yeah, I'll take North Carolina to win. I do think it'll be a competitive game, um, but I'll, I'll take North Carolina to, to win the game. And I, I'm with you. I, if you're going to try to split these next two, I don't know what the point spreads will be on them, but I, I think it, it's more realistic in your current form, if you're Kentucky, to go try to knock off a North Carolina team that, yeah, beat Gonzaga, but, yeah, also lost to Texas. Um, I, I think it's it's more realistic to go try to get North Carolina on a neutral court that'll probably be, f- you know, surrounded by more Kentucky fans than any other fan base uh, than it is to, to think you're going to go into to Louisville and beat Louisville. I, I don't know that Louisville's great, but I do think Louisville's a top 30 team. Um, I had them 26 in the top 25 and one when I had to jump NC State in. It pushed Louisville down, um, one spot. So they they're out now. They would be 27th. but I, I think Louisville's quality, um, not. But I don't think Louisville's as good. I don't think Louisville's as good as North Carolina. But I think you're better off trying to get North. Carolina on a neutral, then going into the to the Yum Center and, and try to pick off Chris Mack's team.
1: I, I agree. Um, all right, so the last big uh, thing we should touch on here, Buffalo plays at Marquette on Friday. That's a great game. If Buffalo wins, we'll get into that. that that's, that's a huge game for Friday, no doubt about it. If they can remain undefeated, that's going to continue to be an awesome story. So that's on the radar. But Saturday – Kansas plays at Arizona State. A humongous opportunity for the Sun Devils and the conference they're in, which is just really going through it. We detailed that on previous podcasts. If you haven't listened, please go back and do so. Uh, ASU has lost two of its past three, though. Now, they were understandable losses. It was at Vanderbilt, um, even though it wasn't as competitive as it should have been. It was was at Vandy, and then lost on a neutral in a good game against Nevada. Can it get right? Because if it can't... um, it's ASU will be slipping quickly. And then Kansas, still undefeated, romps South Dakota on Tuesday, uh, got a close shave win last Saturday against Villanova. What will it do without Yudoka Azabuki? Will this be another case of Dietrich Lawson and Gerald Vick bailing the team out? Or do we see a big game from Quentin Grimes? We've been waiting on it and waiting on it. Devin Dodson has had some really, really nice moments. Will he be the one to show up? Even David McCormick, who scored in double figures, the freshman, big man. He had a good game against South Dakota. Um, I, I think we should. I think we should pick this game, Parrish, because I think it's a really tough game to forecast and to pick, because there are so many different ways it can go. I'm going to take Arizona State to win, and I'm doing so for for this reason more than any other one. Um, I believe that Kansas is one of the best teams in college basketball, and I think that it will it will continue to be so for most of the rest of the season. But I've watched this team win sometimes in spite of itself and it's the way that it's done it has been varied but to go on the road in a in a what will be a hostile environment I believe I think that crowd will be ready Um, I think Arizona State is just barely going to pick them off and that will be one of the big headlines from the weekend there you'll have another undefeated go down Kansas is one of just eight unbeatens left so I will take ASU let's call it 76-73 on Saturday.
0: I'll differ with you just to differ with you I think Kansas will win the game but Undeniably, if you've been to overtime with Stanford on your home court, um, been trailing by, you know, been trailing New Mexico State in Kansas City with about six minutes to go, trailing Villanova inside Allen Fieldhouse with about five, six minutes to go, um, you're susceptible to losing at Arizona State. Uh, The crowd will be tremendous. Um, this will be Kansas's first true road test. And I don't think that'll be an issue. Like, Dedrick Lawson's played road games before. Gerald Vicks obviously played road games before. Um, but it is still this team's first uh, first true road game. And so, uh, listen, there will be some things that happen this weekend. If they happen, they'll surprise me. If Arizona State beats Kansas, that will not surprise me. But forced to pick, I'll take the Jayhawks to move to 11-0.
1: All right. Well, we differ on all three of the big games. So, well, let's hey, let's just pick Buffalo Marquette. I'm going to take Marquette to win. Can we can we agree on that?
0: Yes, I think Marquette wins that game. Okay, I, th- I think Buffalo is
1: probably not as good as their AP ranking,
0: but definitely worthy of being ranked, but not good enough to go to Marquette and win.
1: It's just a big ask, and they've already got some big wins. If they do win, man. Th- Truly at the top of the heap of just the best stories uh, so far among all teams and college hoops we'll see. Should be an intriguing weekend. GP, I'm excited to see you when you get to Chicago. I hope. Listen, I know there's big storms. I'm, I'm glad I got out when I did out of the Northeast just because there's just swaths, swaths of green on the radar across the country. So I hope you're dodging that and you can get up here without any troubles, and then we can get together as soon as possible.
0: So we differ on three games. Yes. Uh, loser, loser has to buy pies on Saturday night.
1: Okay, you got it. That's a deal. Okay,
0: and I get all the favorites, but I get them in straight up situations. Woo!
1: <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm done for. <laughs> I should get. I since I'm going with all these dogs to win, like I should get some sort of bonus. Like if, if I lose, then yeah, you got the favorites. I buy the pies. But if I win, um, since the odds are greater against me, I, there should be some sort of uh, some additive. But I can't think of it on the top of my head right now. I,
0: if you win, I have to buy the pies and uh, secure you an Anthony Miller autographed football.
1: Uh, that's a deal. Okay.
0: <laughs> uh, shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry M. Fatigue. He's the legend. Shouts to Larnell. Shouts to Anthony Miller. And remember, please go subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast via Apple Podcasts. Rated favorably. Five stars. Nice comments. That's all I've ever asked. We're going to talk to you again on Sunday night. I promise. Till then, take care.